And gin's our favourite fluid. But what about the things it's contained in? Exactly. Why don't we ever talk about the gin bottle or the gin label? It's what about time we bloody did. I think we should. Let's write this wrong. <laughs> it's episode eight. History section, episode eight. What we're talking about today, Sarah? We're going to talk about gin bottles, Mm -hmm. gin labels and gin names today. What an excellent idea. Yeah. Because we've got a bottle graveyard. Yes, we have. We've got a bottle graveyard of all of of our favourite bottles. Everyone's got, I think everyone's got a Hendrix bottle with a candle in it now. Yeah. Because the bottles are beautiful. Yeah, they are absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And we've talked previously about the fact that gin has got to be one of the products that pays the most attention to it, its actual bottles. Yeah. And before around the mid-1800s, um, gin bottles weren't really a thing. I was drinking out their own hands. <laughs> yeah, gin tubes. Yeah, gin tubes. Yeah. Producers had the chance to advertise their brand pretty much via generic large lettering stamped across the casks that would be stored uh, on shelves in the gin palaces. So a very different experience from today where, you know, you walk into your favourite bar and your eyes immediately scan the rows of bottles to look for your favourite brands. Of course, like when I was a teenager walking into a newsagent, my eyes straight at the top shelf. Yeah, of course, yeah. Mine would go straight to the Twix. Yeah. On the lower shelves. Because yes. I was a more respectable human being than you. Um, but yeah, you know, you've got that, that delight. Judgy. Yeah. Uh. You know that delight when you catch a glimpse of that, like you say, that apothecary style Hendrix bottle or the brown Monkey 47 bottle with its drawing of yeah. a monkey on it. But how often do you sit down and really look at a gin bottle? Can't see it. I do that often. No, and I it, do in the shops. I have a good look at them in the shops sometimes. Yeah, when choosing it. something. Yes. But yeah, um, and I think if you haven't stopped to study the label of your favourite brand, you could be missing out on many a fascinating fable. My word. Mm. Let's delve. Mm. So let's start in the fields of County Leitrim in Ireland. And um, so this is a landscape that's characterised by soft rolling hills and lush green. And mountains. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a, uh, I've got my pipe. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm just having a glance. What am I seeing? What am I seeing? Well, um, you're seeing Iron Mountain, which is a mountain that used to be used for, for one second, Iron Mount mining. For one second, this is you seeing Iron Man Two, was it? It's not as good, <laughs> not as good as the first one, eh? But what's on, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, an un, it's an unusual film to put on in the middle of a field. <laughs> if it's on in 3D, we'll go see it. Um, so Iron Mountain, eh? Yeah, and in the shadow of Iron Mountain. There's the the lovely little town of Drumshambo. Um, what a great word! Yeah, isn't it? Drumshambo. It's a great name. Yeah, and it is here in Drumshambo that if you're lucky or unlucky, perhaps you'll catch a glimpse of the elusive jackalope. Jackalope. It sounds like a sounds like an old insult. <laughs> oh, get out of here, you wee jackalope! <laughs> Well, it could be an insult because this is a mythical creature that was said to have possibly bad luck, it's not an insult, possibly though. good luck. Yeah, it's not an insult. It's not an insult. No, insult. no one turned around at me and go, bloody, bloody Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> so this mythical creature is said to have been conceived in a violent lightning storm and gets its name from the fact that it looks like a cross between a jackrabbit, which is a hare, mm-hmm. and an antelope. <laughs> that was definitely be a violent, violent coupling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, nobody wants to picture that. No. You'd need some sort of lightning storm to cover that image from your head. <laughs> <laughs> but legend has it that it appears as a fleeting flash of fur and antlers, and then, as if in a dream, it is gone again as quickly as it arrived. Whoa. Yeah. Like Kaiser Sozi at the yeah, end. Of, exactly. I like that. <laughs> Jackalope. Yeah, so this legend of the jackalope, it's prevalent both in Ireland and in America where cattle ranchers claimed to have spied them on the plains of the western frontier. So they were thought to be so dangerous that hunters in America would wear stovepipes on their legs to stop them from being gored by these little horned creatures. 
It was also thought to be able to imitate the human voice. So uh, when cowboys were sitting singing around the campfire, the jackalope would start to sing along in a mock human voice, usually as the tenor. Apparently. <laughs> Sounds like he's taking the mic. Yeah. Oh, give me a... Give me a... <laughs> Who's sitting there? Why, why is following me song? It's a bloody jackalope. Bloody jackalopes again. again. Yeah. And they became so ingrained in American legend that in the 1930s, two brothers with the surname Herrick started a scam by which they started attaching antler horns to taxidermied rabbits and selling them as real jackalope specimens. Sneaky. Yeah. So Entrepreneurial. They, yeah. So in Texas bars, you may still come across, even today, a so-called jackalope peering at you from a wall mount behind the bar. I want a jackalope. Right, let's go hunting for jackalopes. I'll have to go to Drum Shambo. Mm. I'll have to watch Iron Man 2 as well. Yeah. Oh. Okay, then. So what's the link with the jackalope and gin, I hear you ask? Yeah, I was about to. So Drum Shambo is the clue. So if you've ever picked up a bottle of Drum Shambo gunpowder... Irish gin. I have, repeatedly. Yeah. I put it down when it was empty. Yeah, um, and that's made in the town there. And you may have noticed this glorious creature sprinting across the front it's of a the lovely, It's a lovely illustration, yes. Yeah. Now, if you haven't noticed it, you'll be forgiven, because it might be because you were distracted by the dis- gorgeous, distinctive, blue-ridged bottle. And I haven't seen it in a lot of shops, actually. It's quite small batch, I think. It is quite small batch, yeah, yeah. and you'll often see it in bars, but um, I think you'll get it in the sort of higher-end shops, mm. but I've not seen it in supermarkets. It is delicious. It is, and quite strong as well. I think it's 43%. Mm. Now, the slogan on the bottle reads, From the Curious Mind of P.J. Rigney. Rigney is the master distiller there and he's got masses of creative flair and uh, wild imagination and he's also got a real passion for travel so he drew his inspiration for the recipe for Drumshambo gunpowder Irish gin from his travels across the Far East Europe and Africa so he uses a blend of oriental botanicals which he then infuses with Chinese gunpowder tea. Yeah it's really weird because it's like it's Irish gunpowder thing and then it's got I think it's got like quite a Japanese illustration on the on the label yes, right? Yes it's got uh, uh, Chinese characters on, yeah. on the bottle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Beautiful, beautiful bottle. It really is. And um, yeah, he wanted this emblem on the bottle to give a nod to local tradition where it's distilled in Ireland, but also um, to the fact that it's something of a kind of cultural hybrid with these Oriental ingredients mm. and Irish uh, uh, distilling. Gunpowder tea. Yeah. I've tried it and my mum brought me some back from China and um, as a tea it was horrible. It was extremely strong but once it's uh, infused with the other botanicals Mm. uh, and of course the alcohol it becomes a lot sort of softer Mm. and more palatable. So yeah, he wanted the label to represent the fact that it was this kind of cultural mishmash. Mm -hmm. So he chose a bit of a mishmash of a creature that had the American jackrabbit Mm -hmm. and then the antelope horns, this strange combination of a creature. So the jackalope was the perfect mascot. Amazing. Mm. Must get a bottle of that, actually. Yeah, I've not had any for a very long time. Let's treat ourselves. Yeah, we should do a tasting on the show. Yes, we should. Yeah, so... Let's stick with the zoological theme and take a look at one of your favourite gins, Matthew, which is Blue Bottle Gin. Do love that. So, yeah, why is there a fly? Why or why is there a fly? So, before his foray into the gin world, the company's founder, Matt, gained a first-class degree in biology. So, this, in turn, earned him a scholarship from the University of Cambridge studying fly genetics. Fly genetics. (gasps) Like Brundlefly. A like bit like Jeff yeah. Goldblum. This gin gonna make us turn into a weird fly creature. Let's find out. Probably not. So well yeah, he spent the summer in the basement of the University of Cambridge's zoology department, and after looking at many flies through a microscope, he realised how utterly beautiful they were close up. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got this reputation as, you know, buzzing around rubbish and but actually when you look at them up close they're they're really intricate and beautiful. Oh their eyes are beautiful. The eyes are fantastic. And the wings, I, the really yeah. delicate wings and the kind of almost oil slick colouring on mm-hmm. their on their backs. So in that same summer 
he also spent a lot of time with some gin-drinking Spanish scientists. Great summer. <laughs> yeah, and also realised how damn beautiful gin was. So, like you say, in, in a Jeff Goldblum-style transformation, he walked in a mere scientist and walked out a fly-loving gin, gin fiend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he ended up... Um, giving up academia in the end and getting himself a master's in brewing and distilling. Jin <laughs> uh, takes another one down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another casualty of the, of the gin craze. Um, and he was made a scholar and freeman of the Worshipful Company of Distillers in London. So a few years later, he, t- he returned to his homeland, which was Guernsey, and established a small batch distillery. And here he created Blue Bottle Gin. So, yeah, it's a juniper-led recipe which includes eight other botanicals, including local gorse, nutmeg, and something which I haven't heard of called Cuba pepper. And the label proudly bears a fly. And I love this, that on their website, they um, have a little reminder to us all to look for beauty everywhere. Even shit-eating flies. Even shit-eating flies. But, you know, they've got their purpose. Don't they say that if we removed one insect species... Any insect species off the earth, humans would last a year tops. Yeah. I mean, the world would do better without humans. Without lions, you know what would get by. Yeah. Without elephant, I mean, I don't want this to happen. No. I'm just saying, uh, no dogs. I mean, life wouldn't be worth living. Yeah, but would get by. We lose one species of insect, the world will tumble. Isn't that mad? I remember reading a thing where you know, because obviously malaria is a, is a huge problem in Africa and takes many lives, and scientists at at some kind of World Health Summit, I think, did debate whether to deliberately make extinct the species of mosquito that is known for carrying malaria. Mm-hmm. Um, and they decided not to, and it was a really hard decision because many lives will oh, yeah, continue yeah. to be lost mm-hmm. as a result of malaria, but the consequences of making this one yeah. species extinct could be absolutely Cast- catastrophic. catastrophic. Yeah, the world just goes... Yeah. It's insane, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? So I love that. I love that the humble fly yep. has been um, made the subject of this, like you say, absolutely beautiful gin. It is delicious. So hats off to them. Now, an animal theme really seems to be emerging from this episode because I really want to talk about black cats now. Well, I think it's the I think it's the fact that we're both both love an animal. We we do love and animals. And so our eyes are drawn to the thing. I mean, some, some typographers might just like. Ones with better typography. That's true. I mean, I'm sure there's a whole world of uh, intrigue in the typography of gin yep. labels. But I didn't really look into that. Kind of looked at the animals. So, shall we talk about cats, Matthew? We can talk about cats. Mm. Black cats have been long associated with... Witches. Witches, and also with gin. And bad luck. Or good luck. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. But they're, they're seen as a kind of omen. They carry mm. meaning... But especially for us, I understand. And especially for us. They carry more than meaning, they carry gin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in a previous episode, we talked about the infamous cat-themed vending machine that was created by old Captain Dudley Bradstreet as a way to circumvent the 18th century gin licensing laws. Little tinker. Yeah, I'll briefly recap on that. So Bradstreet placed the image of a cat above a hole in the wall in 18th century London. Punters would come and whisper to the cat, asking for two penny worth of gin, at which point a torrent of homemade gin would be dispensed from a leaden tube beneath the cat's paw. So this is thought to be how Old Tom Gin, which was the sweetened predecessor to London Dry Gin, got its name. And one brand that still bears the image of a black cat is Heyman's Old Tom brand, which we've talked about. But another one is York Gin. Mm -hmm. Now, we spoke to the director of York Gin, Emma, in the hope of getting a deeper insight into the meaning of the black cat on the label. And she responded with great enthusiasm. Yeah, she was excellent, wasn't she? She was instantly, oh yeah, I'd love to be involved. And if anyone else wants to join in, uh, all our social media is there on our Instagram and everywhere else. Do please join in. Uh, It's great great to have people uh, getting in touch with us as well as us getting in touch with them. We've had some lovely, lovely contacts. We've got some lovely ideas lined up for later interviews and... You know, it's just it's just nice to have a little bit of a community going on yeah. in within gin people. Very 
passionate people. With they are gin, gin ginnies. Yeah. And so Emma um, responded by saying that uh, she mentioned Bradstreet's vending machine as part of the inspiration behind the, the black cat on the label. Um, she also mentioned a rather tragic tale of a cat drowning in a vat of illegally sold gin. To flower. Yeah, as a possible reason behind the name Old Tom Gin. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they probably still continue to drink the gin. Yeah, I mean, with, with extra tut. Yeah. Uh, and she told us that York Gin has its own unique cat-related history. So the famous York Cat Trail includes over 20 cat figures attached to the walls of buildings around the city. Really? Mm. And some say that these original cat statues may have appeared as a way of frightening away rats and mice or even evil spirits. So mm. they've included the black cat as a nod to these three cat references. So the image on the label was taken from a book on witchcraft, which depicts a cat. Yeah, York's quite a witchy place, and it's got little nooks and crannies. And all. Yeah. Like, there's two witchcraft shops that I can think of oh, really? in York, yeah? yeah? Yeah, Or, you know, that trinkets that people will associate yeah, with witchcraft. Because, and yeah, because yeah. none of that is real. But, no. uh, yeah, good luck. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, but the, yeah, this coven of witches, um, where the image of the black cat was taken they're said to have bewitched the earl of york of all people and their cat's name was rutterkin which means swaggering gallant which i love most cats i've ever met yeah they're all swaggering swaggering gallants yeah and fittingly the company york gin now sponsor the york cat protection league oh that's nice yeah isn't it and their bottles are square and sturdy so Mm -hmm. when they line up they look like the fortress walls the old city walls around york in a nod to its heritage if you can make the whole york wall you might want to have a look at your drinking problem but that's nice yeah yeah so they also, York brand, use natural paper that comes very easily off the bottles. And I really like this. So customers can then reuse the bottles. So the idea that they, they want to rail against the whole disposable culture yeah. and um, create a gin bottle that you really can keep as a bit of a treasure. That's great. This, that, like, that's one of the best things about the whole gin thing. It's such a beautiful thing. Like the Hendrix Tea Garden, the... the the blue Bombay sapphire bottles there. It's just the, the green tank. It's just absolutely beautiful thing to look at. If you go to, if you go to, I don't know, a vodka section for a supermarket, yeah. whatever reason you'd be going there for, you go there, it's row after row straight bottles. Now and again, they'll have a little nice design on. So yeah. Can't take away from that. There's some nice designs. But that's all a bit, it's all a bit showy. Yes. And gin seems a lot more crafty. Yeah. And talking of bottles, let's talk briefly about the shape of gin bottles. Now, This week I spoke to the Lincoln Gin Company Mm -hmm. and they gave a really fascinating story about specifically the design of the shape of the bottle that they use. So the bottle design was no easy decision. The founder spoke to bartenders, mixologists, retailers, friends for advice on the good and bad bottle shape and the debate that he was met with was colossal. So bartenders preferred a long neck so that they could speed pour. Retailers like thinner bottles so that they could get more bottles on the shelves. Friends wanted something posh and iconic to show off in their gin cabinets at home. So that left him with quite the quandary. And A in... long, thin, showy bottle. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, so in the end, yeah, they did settle on a taller, slender gin bottle rather than the kind of the stubby gin bottle. It had a longer neck um, that helped bartenders to pour but it also had a smaller than average footprint to help supermarkets and shops store it and display it more more easily they finished off the neck with a wooden uh, top cork and they used a red wax seal um well like a wax seal i like a wax seal yeah which of course gave that feel of quality yeah there they go right. yeah and you've mentioned that a lot of smaller gin companies like to give a nod to their local heritage and they did just that with a fleur-de-lis stamp mm. on the top of the bottle which represents lincoln coat of arms and what's it called anyway Lincoln Gin it's there called you go. Lincoln Gin so that's a gorgeous example yeah. of um, some of the thinking that goes into the uh, actual shape of the bottle I love Lincoln it's a beautiful city yeah, isn't it, it is. very steep tough yeah. on the knees yeah. um, now another one of your favourite gins oh god I mean this, this is so far we've had four gins again three of your favourite gins yeah. okay. just, just massive fun of gin yeah. but uh, I'm going to guess because it is it's one of the more common of my favourite gins, Monkey 47. This has got to be another, another animal. You're absolutely right. Yep. 
Yeah. So Monkey 47 has a really distinctive brown bottle that bears the image of a monkey holding a little sprig of corn. So why? <laughs> Cheeky monkey stealing corn. Yeah, I think it's corn. This is never really explained what it, why it's holding the corn, I'm afraid, but um, it's probably because it's grain. But the story begins in the 1950s. So Wing Commander Montgomery Collins turns up in an isolated... Oh, British, is it? Wing Commander Montgomery Collins. Oh, what are chaps? Oh, I think that... I'll start myself a gin company. Oh, I was just giving you an excuse to do one of your brilliant voices. Yeah. I like monkeys. Oh, God. <laughs> what was that? That was I like monkeys. Ah, uh, sorry to the descendants of Commander Montgomery Collins. For oh, I'm sure they'll be all right. I'm sure they're absolutely <laughs> I'm fine. I'm sure they're doing fine. Yeah. Who's slandering us on a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Right, tell, tell Jonathan to come down from the third turret of our massive castle. Yeah. Um, so Montgomery Collins turns up in an isolated valley in the Black Forest to take over the running of the Wild Monkey Guest House. The what? Wild Monkey. Why are we not gone there? I know, it sounds great, The wild monkey guest Um, Where's that? It's the Black Forest, so in Germany. Ooh. Yeah. So the region has a long tradition of distilling local fruits, and that soon gave Monty the idea to develop develop his own um, house gin, which soon became a real selling point for the wild monkey guest house. So the distilling history in the region, plus obviously the fact that gin was a quintessential English drink. Mm. He was an Englishman perfect combination so the region's array of high quality botanicals they had these deep sandstone wells and of course a long history of distilling made it the perfect location to develop an exquisite gin and 47 different plant ingredients went into Monty's gin hence the 47 in the name um but the actual recipe remains a very closely guarded secret do they still make it there Yes, it's still made in, in Germany. Now, I don't know whether they still make it on the site of the, the Wild Monkey It's massive Monkey 47, isn't it? True, but then you look at the poetic license. Yeah, yeah, I, I, good point. I... Which, is, which is probably about, what, uh, 10 by 2 square mm. metres? So the brown glass bottles were made to look like an old chemist bottle. Now, why do you think chemist bottles were dark brown? So you couldn't say the trash you were about to be fixed with because it would make you more poodle. <laughs> that's a good answer, but no, it's... It, it protects it from UV light, so... Ah, yeah. right. So, oh, fairly obvious, really, eh? Yeah, which could, you know, degrade the the, uh, the substances inside. <laughs> You're terrible, stupid UV light! <laughs> um, and the label on the bottle, of course, depicts the, the, monkey. the wild monkey. It looks like a stamp as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. Like, Absolutely it's gorgeous bottle, yeah. So, I could move on and discuss so many other brands, but there are too many to fit into this episode. Yeah. Um, but, I've done a quick-fire quiz to test your knowledge and give you some fast facts about famous gin bottles. Do, do, do. Are you ready for your gin bottle, gin label and gin naming quiz, Matthew? Gin quiz, gin quiz, gin quiz. Is that a yes? Yes. Good. <laughs> I've got to do a jingle if we've got a new section. Okay. We've had loads of new sections. God, we're I the know. best at gin. So diverse. Let's see if we are. Okay. Question number one. Why is the Gilby's gin bottle square and why were three sides of it once sandblasted? That is a brilliant question. So people could get a grip of it and drink it properly. That's quite a good answer, but it's incorrect. Ah. The answer is actually bootlegging. So during the Prohibition era, Gilby's gin was shipped to just outside the legal 12-mile limit off the American coast and then smuggled into the United States. And as a result, it was widely counterfeited. So the company introduced their distinctive square bottle with sandblasting on three sides in an attempt to protect its intellectual property. Clever. Yeah. And uh, they only reverted back to the clear glass bottle in 1975. Oh, I wonder if we could get hold of one of the old bottles. Mm, if That'd anyone's nice. got an old sandblasted uh, Gilby's bottle. Yeah, g- give it to us. <laughs> Even though Can thinking we have about it, it, it is probably worth quite a bit. We want it. We Can want we it. Give it. us it. Oh, just send us a picture of it. I'd like yes, to see I, it. Yeah, send us a picture. Okay, question number two. Why is there a swan's head on the Sipsmith's bottle? I remember this from our visit to Portic Licence. Oh, okay. Yes, and the swan's head is the name of a valve 
used on the stills, if you're, I remember correctly. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, this one represents um, the Sipsmith 300-litre copper still, which is named Prudence, and the pot narrows to a swan neck that leads into the condenser. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Boom! Yes? Uh, think, why are they always calling stills after women? It's like boats, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. yeah. I don't know. If anyone knows, let us know. But, yeah, mm. that seems to be a trend. Question number three. What is Belfast gin... Jawbox named after. Jawbox. Is it a punch? No. Do you want a clue? Yes, absolutely. What is a very famous thing to come out of Belfast? You can buy one in plumbing shops. A Belfast sink. A Belfast sink. <sighs> yeah. So, the Belfast sink was once the heart of the kitchen where people would gather to chat. Like a Belfast sink. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Jawbox, so it's just like the water cooler. It is, it was like the water ah, cooler of olden right. days. So five or six families would often share one Belfast sink. So people used to gather there, do their washing, gossip, tell tales. And um, also, an interesting aside, this company, Jawbox, is a relatively new gin company and it really wanted to create a label that had a kind of real heritage, old-fashioned feel about it's it. It's got a lovely old scrawled uh, yes, label, it's beautiful. it has, and they were so successful in designing a really old-fashioned looking label that people will argue till they're blue in the face that it's been around that they've from been the drinking Jawbox. Jawbox gin for decades, yeah. So, um, I really like that fact. Oh, yeah, that's great, yeah. That. Well um, done, Jawbox. Yes, indeed. Uh, question number four. Question the fourth, eh? Question the fourth. What is strange about the fact that the Hendrix bottle states established in 1886? Right. The strange thing about that is, and I know this, because it never did. It, what, you mean it wasn't? Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Fibs and lies, Hendrix. What it's, are you up to? Well, it's not so much a fib. It's that, yeah, you're right. Hendrix wasn't established until over a century later. But 1886 was the year in which its whiskey-making owner, William Grant & Sons, was founded. Ah, there you go. Question number five. Five. Still on Hendrix here. Mm -hmm. True or false, Hendrix takes its name from one of its former master distillers. Sounds like it should be true. So I'm going to go false. It is false. Yes! <laughs> the name is... You that... tried to trip us up. I did, yeah. I tried to trick you there. The name is thought to be the name of the rose gardener of one Janet Sheed oh. Roberts, who is the descendant of William Grant, one mm -hmm. of the whiskey distillers. And Roberts died at the grand old age of 110 and was at the time of her death Scotland's oldest woman. Back then as well. That's impressive. Yeah. And Scottish Jesus. I know. <laughs> And it's apt that Mr. Hendricks, the gardener, was a rose gardener because one of the principal ingredients of Hendricks is rose. Rose. Yeah. Question number... Question number six. Six. Still on Hendricks. Goodness me. Last one on Hendricks. Hendricks is full of mystique. Yeah. Hendricks's collage-style Victoriana imagery is thought to have been inspired by which modern cartoonist? Um... Terry Gillingham. Yes, correct. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lovely little fact. Yeah. I love Terry Gillingham. Now, question number seven is tonic water related, but I like, quite like this question, so I wanted to bring it in. Fever tree mm -hmm. is, the, is another name for what type of tree? What do we get quinine from? Mm, think of our former episode in which we discussed <gasps> tonic water and its origins. Because obviously it takes down malaria, keeps your fever down. Yes. Oh, God damn it. You no. the sea? No, I can't. Chin... No. Chinchona. Chinchona. So the tonic is made from natural quinine from the last remaining plantation of fever trees, also known as chinchona trees, in the heart of East Congo, descended from the most sought-after chinchona legeriana variety. Really? Mm -hmm. The fever tree makes it from those trees? Yes. Oh. All natural quinine. Yeah. That's why it's such a premium brand. Is that... The only places we've got those trees left, then? That kind of chinchona tree. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say Where are we getting our quinine from? Question number eight. Why does bigger gin, and I'm spelling that B-I-G-G-A-R, the Scottish gin... Yes, I've heard gin, of that gin. Why does bigger gin have a greyhound on the label? Because greyhounds are the best. They are cute, aren't they? They're the best. I love greyhounds. They're a bit stupid, though. They're not stupid. They are, and they can't... Perhaps they're too intelligent for you to understand what they're up to. And they can't turn around. They can turn around. 
Why does it have a greyhound on the label? I don't know. Why does it have a greyhound on the label? I am stuck on that one. So in 1821, the Bigger Coursing Club was founded for local gentlemen who sent their greyhounds off racing across the fields of Bigger. By 1868, the club was in decline, so the remaining members changed it from a coursing club to a social club, and their subscription fees were then used to purchase fine wines and spirits, including gin. Claire. So the company named it in honour of that little bit of local history, which is very nice. Yes. Question number nine. What makes each bottle of elephant gin unique? I know this one. Each bottle of elephant gin has the name of the little elephant that they are helping to rescue written on. Correct. Because a percentage of the money goes towards helping conserve elephants. That is absolutely correct. Well done. Good old elephants. Yeah. Question number ten. Explain the reference to the sapphire in Bombay Sapphire. I also know this one. It is the Star of Bombay Sapphire. Yes. That was given by oh, silent film to a silent film actress. I forget her name, but I think it was was it Douglas Fairbanks? Yes, Douglas Fairbanks gave it to his wife Mary Pickford, Mary who was Pickford. indeed a silent film there you actress. Go. Yeah, it was a ma- and uh, she gave it to the Smithsonian. I think. Yes, she did. that's correct. It was absolutely enormous. Yeah. It's probably why the bottle's blue as well. Yeah, exactly. So the Star of Bombay and. Um, Imagine there's a lot of people who still think Bombay Sapphire is a blue gin. <laughs> uh, I have to confess that until recently I did. Which has always actually put me off it. Yeah. Because I've always thought that can't be natural. Natural colours, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it turns out it, it isn't. It's the colour yeah, of the it's glass. the bottle, yeah. Same <laughs> so, that, the Edmonton gin, that's blue. The actual gin is yeah, blue? Yeah, the, the gin's blue, oh, yeah. right. Yeah. I haven't tried that. It's all right, okay. you know. It's all bloody right. Yeah. Final question. Dun, dun, dun. If I get this, I get all the others right. That's how it works. Yes. Okay. This is the real quiz. Yeah, this is the real quiz, yeah. Why is the word license in poetic license, gin spelled in the American way when it's a British company? I know you know the answer to this. Yeah, one. the answer to that is basically cause for. Yeah. Because uh, they decided it. And when people complained, they just went, What's your point? Poetic license. Exactly. The answer is poetic poetic license. license, Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this about them. So the the company are all about putting lots of individuality in what they do. If you want to bend the rules, bend the rules. Mm -hmm. And that's reflected both in their distilling methods, in the spelling of their name, and in their very psychedelic, uh, very strange um, logo, which is absolutely beautiful. So yeah. yeah. But again, with the local references, they've got on the side of the poetic license bottle, uh, Gan Canny. Gan Canny and drink responsibly. Gan Canny yeah. and drink responsibly, which means obviously, like uh, if you're not from the northeast or if you're outside of the of the region and you don't know what that means, it just means like take it easy. Yeah. So the word canny, it just means good, right? Oh, it's a hundred different right, things. Right. Okay. He's yeah. canny with his money here. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, like savvy. Oh, he's canny. Like he's, he's all right. right. Yeah. I, it's canny good, that like extra emphasis on the good. <laughs> It's like, you know, when he's trying to teach a word, forget about it. Yeah, it's supposed to be the most versatile word in the English language. Uh, Well, you did very well on that quiz, Matthew. Did I? Yes. I think I did all right. I should have done better. Well, you got... I got the last one right, which means I got them all right. That was the rules. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Well done. Yes. So therein is the history of, or some of the most fascinating tales behind gin bottles, gin names and gin labels. I think it might warrant another episode. Absolutely, there's so many things to do. If you are a gin drinker and you know something about your favourite brand. Or in fact a gin distributor and wish to tell us all about your your brand. Let us know. Let us know. Yeah. And we will definitely feature you. Absolutely. Gin News headlines today. Room at the Gin Hotel launches Gin Experience. The Lead Gin of Valhalla. Viking Gin launched. And Bad for Fizzness. CO2 shortage nightmare. Room at the Gin Hotel Devon and or Duvon, whichever way you want to pronounce it. And Slingsbury Gin, Ultimate Night Stay for gin lovers. Ooh. What's that all about, eh? Well, Hotel Devon has uh, teamed up with Slingsby and they offer a kind of hotel experience with each element of gin in the room. For example, there's, uh, there's a lot of copper about to represent the, the stills. stills. 
Is Juniper represented in there? Yeah, well, gin lovers will be able to relax in a multi-sensory botanical wonderland, ah. apparently. Because it's there's plants everywhere. Obviously, there's grapefruit trees, yeah, there's juniper yeah. bushes, no doubt, and there'll be uh, there'll be other beautiful botanicals that uh, related to gin. Uh, but it was all designed by uh, the Chelsea Flower Show gardener Matthew Wilson. So it'll be. Ah. I had a look on the, online, and it was all pretty in, impressive. Yeah, at the Chelsea Flower Show, I think uh, some of the kind of key gin botanicals got quite a lot of attention. There were sort of gin gardens and that kind of thing, yeah. so ties in very nicely. That yeah. sounds amazing. You also get a bottle of uh, Slingsby's London Dry and rhubarb gin. Does everyone do rhubarb gin? Everyone seems to do rhubarb gin. It's, it's, not, even, it's, it's not even my favourite flavoured gin. No, I guess the, the tartness of it goes it must quite be easy, nicely yeah. with the... I don't know if it's selling well. Why yeah. well, wouldn't you? And Slingsby gin, I don't think I've ever tried Slingsby gin. It is very nice. Is I it? have tried it once, yeah. yes. It is a very tasty gin. It's a very serious gin. Is it? You know, like uh, I tried some Skip Grace the other day, and that is for gin. This is for people that drink gin. Yeah. None of that mucking about. Heavy <laughs> on the juniper. Very tasty, yeah. yes. It's like, it's one to sip. Uh, also, you get this little gin cabinet with your bottles... And you get some high-end tonics and some high-end garnishes. Wow. So there's one in Wimbledon, Brighton, Birmingham, Harrogate and York. They'll be testing them out at the Hotel de Vaux. Oh, a couple near, uh, couple near us. Yes, uh, not far. We'll go over. Uh, the prices weren't on the website. You have to phone up for them. Okay. So I imagine with the rooms normally being about 180 quid a night, if you're chucking a couple of gin bottles in on top of that and they're saying it's an experience, yeah. I'd expect about 250 quid. Yeah. Legend of Valhalla. There is a Viking gin about to be released. Oh, now, did the Vikings actually drink gin? No, they didn't, because uh, they sodded off 600 years before gin finally hit our shores. Good point. But this is not about that. Okay. It's about it's about what they would have drunk if gin was about back then. Oh, so the botanicals that were available yes, in for example. Northern Europe yeah. at the time. So, right. of course, they, they sodded off well before gin showed up on our shores. But the Jorvik Viking Centre, home of many a school trip... Mm. Uh, has teamed up with our friends at York Gin, which we have spoken about in this which episode. Which we've spoken about. Yes, to create a gin that the Vikings would have enjoyed had they enjoyed a gin from their enemy's skulls. Fantastic. <laughs> the flavour is their enemy's blood. It's not, that's a lie. <laughs> Using archaeological records, the flavours that the Vikings would have found, for example, bilberries and nettles. Oh, now you've tried nettle gin. I have tried you? nettle gin. And Which was by... Uh, it was uh, Whitney Neal. Yeah. It was, a, it was one of their, like, uh, I think it's, you know how Poetic Licence does rarities. I think uh, yes. Whitney Neal do uh, small batch bottles as well. And it was a nettle gin by them. You were and a fan, weren't you? I was. I thought it would be absolutely disgusting, but no. Because uh, I think the taste from the nettles comes from the, um, the, the defensive sting on them. Mm. And like when I tried the ants acid, that was that was a flavour as well. Like tart, and very tart. Yeah, oh, oh, but the nettle gin was delicious. I really enjoyed it. So that sounds really nice. Sounds great. You just think of uh, hurting yourself when you were a child, right? yeah, and having those little white blemishes all over your face. As the Vikings probably had a few white blemishes on their bodies. Yeah, that scar tissue. <laughs> that's what that would have been from pillaging the northeast. Now, can I just say something quickly about Vikings? No. I wrote an article for The Independent a few years ago, and I went to Denmark, and I went to the Viking Centre and spoke to one of the uh, guides there, and she said that the Vikings got a very bad name because a very small number of them went out and pillaged other countries, but the vast majority... Sounds, sounds similar to the East, isn't Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> the vast majority of Vikings were peaceful communities um, that, uh, you only, know, just lived a simple life. Yeah, only murdered and raped on a weekend. No, very few of them, very <laughs> few of them. And they only lived till about the age of 40, apparently. 40 was quite old back then because mm. uh, of the hardships that, you know, that they had to enjoy. Rolling across so. seas to destroy them. Which is, <laughs> All yes. right. <laughs> Good old Vikings. Fascinating people. Bad for fizzness. CO2 shortage could leave summer flat. Now, I've heard about this CO2 shortage and the, a lot of the publicity around it has been regarding beer and that beer is potentially running out. So when I read this, I thought, oh, this could be good for gin because, you know, gin doesn't require CO2, but didn't think about tonic. tonic. Did you? No, no, you didn't. Not at all. So what's happening? Hang your head. Mm. Well, the reason for this is that fertiliser plants have been shut down. Two of the, like, three of the main fertiliser plants in the world, uh, I, I probably understand. That's uh, in Germany. That's German for the world. German for the world. Uh, via Allo Allo. Uh, <laughs> but uh, some of the major fertiliser plants, and that's where they get the ammonia from, which is just wee wee. 
<laughs> so, so what we're drinking is uh, an extract of Gas- wee wee. Gassy wee wee. Yeah. <laughs> Which, admittedly, I've tried some gins that I would rather drink <laughs> gassy wee wee. <laughs> Unicorn teeth. Uh, it's, so they've been shut down, so there's been a shortage of ammonia that's used. You know, it's, it's very bad for British people. We've got no tonic for our gin and tonics. And crumpets could fail. Crump? Well, crumpets have got... Te- is that what causes the That's bubbles causes in crumpets? That's what crumpets. That's a great fact. Can you imagine? No, I can't. No crumpets and tonic? I have crumpets, like, every day. I know you do. Yeah. Perhaps you should. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so why have these uh, fertiliser plants been shut down, then? I think it's over summer. Uh, they need maintenance. Oh, it's, and so it's over just... Su- yeah, it's, it's not fair, but don't worry, people. It's going to be fine. But uh, it's like when... Uh, it's like when the London Underground does the uh, maintenance... Planned engineering yeah, works. Yeah, planned engineering work. And London falls to its knees. Yes. So. <laughs> Even though it's planned. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, oh no, but we drink, probably we drink more beer in the summer. We drink, probably drink more gin and tonic. We probably drink more fizzy drinks yeah, in general. Right, it's so be, this it's is gonna, the worst time. It's going to be fights. It's going to be fights on all the, uh, the, the gin and tonics. Should we start stockpiling? We already have. I think we Our have. kitchen is insane. Yeah. Well, that is... Uh, that is all the gin news we'll have this week, so gin news! Right, I think it's time for another instalment of the Tin Gin World Cup. Semi final! Yeah, so who's playing? Well, the drama is Argentina versus Brazil. Oh my god. I know, which I thought might happen. Yes, and yeah. who's representing those countries? That is Asda Gin for mm-hmm. Argentina, and Brazil is Aldi Gin. <gasps> Proper uh, budget one, not, not one of the uh, classier ones, but eh, still good gins. Mm-hmm. And it is Germany versus Russia, which of course can't happen now, because Germany got knocked out by being terrible at football Very this true. year. Very true. And Germany is represented by Edinburgh Gin, which is a delicious gin. Mm. And uh, Russia is represented by Lone Wolf. From Tesco's. Mm, interested to see the outcome of this one. So, uh, once again, this is part of the same recording session as last week's Tingin World Cup. Yes, we're drunk. And things have gotten even worse. Here you go. Semi-finals. <laughs> I've got to well known to think of a better jingle than that. Yeah, indeed. Right, it's Argentina versus Brazil. What a oh, bloody prospect! God, what a grudge! Now we know now that Argentina is Asda gin, but Brazil, surprisingly enough, Aldi gin. Oh, oh so this, this some really... people might turn the noses up at Aldi. El Supermarketo, this game. El Supermarket time. Now, in your first one. This is Argentina. Argentina goes in there and Brazil in there. Now then. Argentina. And Argentina's first on the pitch. The crowd are going wild. The semi-final, everything. Everything. Oh, I'm liking it again. Argentina gets a taste. What else are you getting? Any negatives there? Got a nice aftertaste, but it's 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 just a couple of little notches below on the on the plain side. I think. Okay, but it's all right though. Not the best best result for Argentina there. I'll have a diff. It smells a little tacky, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It has the it's got a cheap lemonadey taste to it. This. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean that's probably one you could sling back all night. Getting a little bit of lime, but I, I don't. I'm not, that's all I'm getting really. Well, it suggests serving with a wedge of lime, so mm, so even more lime. <laughs> oh. Basically, drown everything in lime. It'll be fine. Now then, Brazil, Brazil. Mm. More subtle and, and and classier, I think. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a lot smoother. It goes down mm, better. I think so. Yeah, yeah. the uh, Argentina feels like it's clinging onto your throat. Yeah, I know down. what you mean. I know what you mean. Like it's hanging on, going. I don't want to get swallowed. Yeah, it's a bit, 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 bit of a coward, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some ah oh, cowardly player by Argentina at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Look very defensive. They just want to play, and we perhaps they're just hanging out for penalties. But uh, yeah, which has been an Argentinian yeah. thing down the years. Oh, but hey, Brazil's found its way through the defence yeah. there. I think with Brazil wants to cut out the middleman. Brazil wants to get get this over with tonight. Yep. Yeah. 
smoothness, and I think it might just have done it. Uh, I think I, oh, that's a lovely taste. I think yep. it's two 0 to Brazil. Two 0 to Brazil. <laughs> Argentina not happy. One of them stumps off in the huff. Mm. Uh, takes his top off, throws it into the crowd. Who does he think he is? Exactly. And then they invade an island. Yeah. <laughs> change its name to the Malvinos. Right, so Brazil is the first in the final. Aldi Jin in the Can final. Can I say in general, I'm really feeling this now. Yeah. <laughs> or me either. I am like some sort of malfunctioning biplane. <laughs> <laughs> It's goodbye to Argentina. As the gin didn't quite make it. Got through the semis. Impressive though. Yeah, sorry. That's sorry for us though. Sorry for us there. And now the second semi-final. Now then, Germany v Russia. The second oh. semi-final of the evening. They've got a bit of history as well, yeah, of course. It, yeah, Germany and Russia. Yeah. In we come. Germany and so on. And Germany there. Germany for us both there. Now, a little bit of Russia in there. Okay, oh, can you get across there? Yeah, got it. And that'll be enough for us to Yeah. <laughs> taste. Just a little bit. May I suggest if you are doing this, perhaps... Uh, Spread it out over the course of the World Cup and not just yeah. one night. <laughs> yeah, not just in an hour and a half session. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Here we go. Now, Germany. It's the Edinburgh Gin. Germany. Chin Chin. Oh, it's like the sea air. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's subtle. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, is it going off the, is it going off the rails there? It's, no, it's a, de- it's a decent effort. Yeah, it's a decent effort from Germany, but will that be enough to... It's not trying to knock you off your feet, really, is it? It's no. trying to be an, a nice, subtle gin, isn't it? Yeah. Efficient. Mm, efficient, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Just like the German squad. Yeah, yeah. Now, here we go, Russia. The Lone Wolf. Here we go, Russia again. Russia again. Strongly fancied. Mm, oh, God, even the smell of that one. Yeah, the smell's good. That's delicious, isn't it? Oh, that's... Uh, mm. I'm trying to put my finger on what the smell is, but it's a lovely smell. Yeah, that's really nice, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, and uh, it still retains a little bit of subtlety as well, but it's very nice. So, Germany v Russia? Yeah. It's tight, like, but I'm going to think Russia probably... No, Russia's going Russia, <gasps> the host nation in the yeah, final. Yeah. Nothing crumb going on there whatsoever. <laughs> Russia wins. Now, that is it. So, the final. The final is Brazil versus Russia. Wow. It's uh, my favourite part. Yeah. So this week what we're doing is something slightly different. So we're going to taste some Gin Fusions. Gin Fusions the company? Gin Fusions is a company and you order a box. It comes with several... Little, little pouches, aren't they? Cardboard they... pouches. Aren't they delightful? Yeah, little boxes full of weird and wonderful infusions for your gin. It smells now, gorgeous. Yeah. There are four different types of infusion that come in this box. There's citrus, rose, tropical and spiced. Ooh. So what you do is you pick a little cardboard pouch from whichever category you decide and then you pour it into your gin, wait a few minutes and it's ready to drink and lo and behold it has a whole new flavour profile. Gives you suggestions on which gin to use each okay. one for as well. So for the citrus they suggest you use... Something like Bombay Sapphire, Portobello Road, Karun. Mm-hmm. Whereas for the rose, they would suggest something floral, like Tanqueray Dry, Martin Miller's Edgerton Pink. Mm-hmm. For the tropical, they would suggest you add to something rich and robust, such as Plymouth, uh, Bath Gin, or Darnley's View. And then for the spice, they would suggest something like a Monkey 47, which is one of your favourites, Bombay Sapphire, East and Saffron Gin. Now, highly recommend that you do that. Having said that, for this, we wanted to taste them from the same basis for all of them. So we've just gone for a Bombay Sapphire that we're going to use for each one of these. With a nice light light tonic as well. With a nice light fever tree tonic. Now, the thing with 
the, the garnishes. Now, I love a lemon slice, a lime slice, always helps. So, there's certain cocktail bars I'll go in and they will more or less hoy the contents of Morrison's fruit into my gin. I don't like that. No. Especially blueberries, just on their own. The skin's not paste, there's no flavour getting out, they're just bobbing about there, getting caught up in my tash. So, at least with a lime slice, the flavour's coming out of it. Okay, so today then we're going to find out whether this makes significant difference yeah. to the flavour of the gin. So, I know what a bombier tastes like, so I'm getting put, just put my blindfold on so we can yeah. do a blind taste test. Yeah, so I'm going to give you one of these infusions every time i'm not going to tell you which category it is and i'm not going to tell you what's in it who said that (laughs) now for the uh for the benefit of everyone who's just listening uh, obviously i have now got a blindfold on yes true sears (laughs) looks quite amusing (laughs) so so what we're going to do now is we're going to find out whether it does make a tangible difference to the flavor of the gin let us check if you're able to tell me what category it comes from and if you're able to tell me what any of the ingredients are then we know that, indeed, it does make a difference. So, right. are you ready? Born ready. First Here one, please. Here is infusion number one. What do you smell? I am smelling... Oh. Oh. It smells like that hibiscus and rosemary one we made. There's no rosemary in there. You've got something in your mouth there. Yes, I've got... <laughs> I think it was a bit of cardamom. Oh, that is a, that is, that is a delight. I'm getting... All I can taste the hibiscus. That's a really nice. So you think that is that has got hibiscus in it? I'm guessing that that's the, uh, the, 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 the 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 tropical one. You're absolutely correct. That is, yeah, that is that is a delight. That is, it, it's it's made a difference. I mean, I did get a cardamom pod in my mouth. It wasn't a cardamom pod you got there. What was it? That was actually a peppercorn. Was it? Yes. So we've got juniper, we have got hibiscus, you're absolutely right there. And you've got allspice and white peppercorns. Allspice? Mm. What on earth is that? I don't know. All the spices All as the a spices, berry. Yeah. That's a pretty complex berry. Yeah. It's very nice. Can you get that off us before I drop it? Yeah. Lovely. So that's interesting. You could taste hibiscus in there. Yeah. Clearly the garnish has made yeah, a difference. Yeah, the garnish has made a difference. How long has that been in there? That's probably been in there for about... Five to ten minutes now. See, again, that's my problem. I'll go at the bar. <laughs> Five or ten minutes, I'll be back at the bar. So now I think what we've discovered here is that you're drinking your gin too quickly. I think what we'll find is everyone else is drinking too slow. Anyway. <laughs> right, next one. There you go. Thank you. Ooh, that's a... What are you getting? Oh, I'm getting the... Um, that's citrusy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. <laughs> What are you spitting? Cardamom again. Okay. Okay, it wasn't cardamom last time, but that was. Okay. For shoesies. That one wasn't. That was too big for cardamom. Was that a peppercorn? Peppercorn, yeah. It wasn't a normal one, though. That was too smooth. Was that a pink peppercorn? Are you serious? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you cheating on this? No, not at all. Not at all. I know what a peppercorn tastes like. I've made terrible errors with pepper pills any time. <laughs> okay, so you're saying this is the citrus one. You're saying you're tasting it's cardamom. The citrus one. I, I'm getting cardamom. I'm get, I'm, I can smell like the. I can smell the orange in it. And you're getting orange, and you're getting peppercorns. Uh-huh. Is it, are you getting anything else? There's a. It's a lemony. Lemongrass. Yeah, you're correct. Wow. Yeah. I genuinely think you're a super taster. Oh, that's lovely. And oh, I smell that though. It smells like old leather. That really does smell. A citrusy, citrusy leather. Well, that's a, that's a delicious. Uh... Right, so you can taste a distinct difference between that. And yes, the I can absolutely one hundred percent because it's the same gin. So yeah, it's got to be making a difference. Which do you prefer so far? Right, citrusy one. Okay, right next. Oh, I'll just what's left of that uh, gin out my mustache. Got you. Got it. Yep. Right. Oh, hello, cinnamon. Oh, I mean that that just tastes like a, that just tastes like a Christmas biscuit. Okay, so so what? So you think that's spiced? That's spiced. Hundred percent. Hundred percent on that. So you're getting cinnamon. You're absolutely right there. Are you getting anything else? Uh, it's licorice. That'll be that's star anise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it should be a mulled one. That'd be lovely yeah. in a in a mulled in a, like a warm warmed up gin. Nice. Do yeah. you mould gin? I guess you can mould. You can mould anything. Because what last time we heated gin up was a terrible error. Yeah. I say, all right, it's going to be everybody's favourite part of the bloody show. <laughs> me nearly losing me dinner. Yeah. 
Okay, that one's that one's the the uh, spiced one. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's also got cloves in there. Cloves. Yeah. I, I'm not particularly one how cloves taste, so that one uh, that one eluded us. And quince. Quince. Well done, full mark so far. And your final one. Oh, what on earth are you? Mm. I'm getting it's it's crispy this one. It's crispy, did you say? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a cleaner smell. Cleaner, okay, yeah. yeah. Spiced is gone. And citrus is gone. Tropical's gone. So there's only one left. So it's got to be that one, huh? Well, what do you think it is? You obviously can't remember, but what do you think that is? Yeah, uh, cardamom. Am I right? Cardamom, yep, yeah, you're correct. There is cardamom in there. Um, oh, there you go. Oh, I think I need to move a bit. In the, I need to stir it up a bit. It's like a perfumey. It's rose. Rose, that's what it is. Correct. Oh. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's got rose, um, a rose flower, rose hip. Oh, um, this room's bright. Clove, <laughs> cardamom. Yes. And, and guess what else is also in it? Cuba pepper, which I'd never heard of before recording today's episode. That's queer, queer. Mm. Uh, well done. You got them all right. So firstly, I missed a few of the. I missed a few of them. Out. You missed a couple of the ingredients, but I'm absolutely amazed by how you picked up. I think everything from the citrus one, including the fact that they were pink peppercorns. Oh yeah, it was a lot smoother too. Um. So, which did you prefer? Firstly, do you know what? I didn't think I would, but uh, citrus I enjoyed, and I thought that would be my favourite. However, spiced came in. Swipe it away. So you're going for the spice? Spice up your life, as um, some great philosophers would say. <laughs> so you can tell a distinct difference between Abs- each of these 100%, origins. yeah. And now you've got your blindfold off, do you notice anything else? Oh, that's pretty. Yeah. The, the Is that tropical? That is tropical. Tropical the, one's gone pink. That's got to be the hibiscus, hasn't it's it? It's gone bright pink. Okay, I'm just going to give these a very quick try. No, you're so brave. Yeah, no. Just for this, Just for the podcast, just yeah. to make sure no one's shortchanged. For the, yeah. Right, try the spiced. Oh, see what I mean? Christmas that's very biscuit. nice. That's a lot more subtle than I thought it was going to be. Christmas biscuit. I'm not a massive fan of cinnamon. No. But I like that. Next is I rose. I like that. So aniseed for the uh, anise makes it slightly different, doesn't it? Oh heck! What's that one? The rose. The rose. Big fan. I'm a big fan. And I think that's because I really like cardamom, and I'm really getting the cardamom in that. And I quite like floral things as well. Citrus. Oh, refreshing. Mm-hmm. I'm getting. I'm tasting the pepper. I'm surprised, but I can taste the pepper in that. <laughs> tiny, tiny little bags and all, aren't they? The gin fusion packets. It's just perfect. Yeah. For, 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 for We've a glass. put these in very small glasses as well. So, mm. but that's they're not supposed to be in these big uh, these little glasses. They're supposed to be in big bloom glasses. Um, citrus, lovely, refreshing, great for a hot day like this. Still on the rose is my favourite. Save tropical and steel in it. That's very tangy. Yeah. Very tart, and I love tangy, slightly bitter things. I love tarts. But, so it's a tough call between rose and tropical, but I'm going to go with rose. (gasps) Rose wins! Yeah. It doesn't, because I made the final decision, and it's spiced. (laughs) But they've now been standing for probably about 15 minutes now. And the flavour just flying through them, aren't they? Absolute new level of flavour. But I should say it's not too much. It's not. No, 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 no. There's nothing. The, I can still taste that. I would be able to tell which gin they were in. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So now, cost for this, you get a box with twenty in, and that's about twenty pounds. But you can also get a little taster box for a fiver as well. Yes. So uh, it's a lovely gift for yeah. someone. By the way, this section isn't sponsored. Yeah, I mean, totally unbiased. We just we, we asked if we could try them and said yes and mm. uh, we've tried them and uh, come out on top. That spiced one's a delight. I'm gonna have another little just just have a little. I'm gonna have a little go on the rose. Oh, one. Have another go on the rose one. That's the end of this tasting. Mm. But uh, not for us now. We're gonna we're gonna stop recording and continue mm. to taste. See you later. Bye. Well, what a week, Matthew. Busy, busy, busy. We've looked at all of the stories behind the, the gin labels. We have discovered that garnishes do indeed make a huge difference to the flavour of the gin, for the better, yeah. I should add. Oh, absolutely. And uh, also, 
It's also good fun for toothpick companies because <laughs> I'm still picking out bits of cardamom. Well worth it. Oh yes, I would say delicious. And also Russia and Brazil triumphant in this week's Tinjin World Cup. So it's the final next week, Russia versus Brazil. How real could that be? That could be real. It could be real. And so huge thank you to everyone who got involved this week. Yes. Um, one big thank you needs to go to Blue Bottle Gin. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, who gave us a really long interview and a fascinating interview uh, all about their label. And the recording went terribly wrong because there was some horrible interference. So that is good. But isn't we, it? we managed to tell the story anyway. So a huge thank you, Matt. Uh, we will be back to you at some point. Yes, and thanks to all the other gin companies that we spoke yes, to. Yes, we, we spoke loads there. Uh, York Gin, thank yeah. you for that. Uh, Sipsmith and Bigger. Gin and Lincoln. Yeah, they were all really helpful in telling us the fascinating tales behind their labels. And of course, huge thanks to Gin Fusions. Gin Fusions, yes, for their box. That was uh, it was an absolute treat to receive. And they've completely changed Matthew's outlook on garnishes. We'll yes. probably see him tonight with mm-hmm. a pile of garnish on top of his. Oh, it's gin. gonna be it's gonna be like a condiment uh, central. In it my is gin salad. As, gin salad, uh, as as uh, some would say. So I think what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to take a very small gin fusion pouch out with me and surreptitiously pour it into my gin in whatever bar I go into. Good thinking. Yeah. Good thinking. Also, thanks to Gav as well for getting drunk with me to do the Tin Gin World Cup. Yeah, uh, And the fair. final next week, which will be an absolute shambles if I remember it correctly. Yes, I think it will. But so, I don't remember it correctly because it was a shambles. <laughs> exactly. So for now, like two jackalopes, as quickly as we arrived, we are gone. We're gone. That's a Jack Lope imitating the voice. Imitating the human voice, yeah. Mother's Room Podcast was written and performed by Matthew Reed and Sarah Dunley. Theme tune written and performed by Holly Jazz Kotsier.